good morning. How are you today? Good to see you. Welcome if you're joining us online. We wanted to show that just brief tribute to uh, Pat. He did die this past week at 93. He just impacted so many people's lives, and mine included. I uh, was watching uh, CBN back in 86, and uh, I decided to come to Regent University, and that really uh, changed the trajectory for me. I ended up meeting Sharon, starting this church, all kinds of stuff, and uh, that played a, a key role in that. So uh, he's played a key role in a lot of our lives, and so I just wanted to uh, do a shout-out like that and recognize a, a life of excellence. In fact, we're going to talk today about excellence because that's one of our core values and has been uh, since the very beginning. Now, excellence is, uh, we live in an age of mediocrity. And so it's, a, it's at a premium. It's also often very, very rare. And so the Bible actually sets the standard and says that we should be people that uh, are pursue excellence. And so we're going to look at that today, pursuing excellence. Excellence inspires people and it glorifies God. That's why it's so significant. You look at the life of Jesus. He lived a life of of excellence, no matter what he was doing. He, for example, when you see him at a, a, a party, such as a, 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 you know, that in John 2, it describes this wedding, which is an extended party. There's dignitaries there. He makes wine because they ran out of wine. And I, if you're familiar with the story, when the dignitaries and the, the people drink it, they go, wow, this is the best wine ever. I mean, it's like, this is legit. It's incredible wine. Now, he could have made wine. It would have been incredible, right, making wine from water and it just being any kind of wine. Like, that's not that good, but it's still amazing, you know. Look at what he did, you know. But it's incredible wine. You look at him needing to choose uh, his disciples and he perseveres all night, not just an hour or two, like, okay, I got it. No, all night long because he knows he needs to make an important business decision, an important decision that's going to impact uh, a lot of lives. And so he, he, it's marked with excellence on how he prays, how he makes, you know, uh, does his miracles, makes wine. And as people of God, we need to have that same kind of level of, of excellence in all that we do. In fact, Jesus tells us to do that. He says, so don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commemorable works will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. This is where we get the phrase, this, the motto that we use, excellence inspires people and, and glorifies God. It, it, it inspires people. And it inspires them to look and say, God is, there's something about God. Because look at these people who trust in God and the quality of their work is a reflection of their faith. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, so, so often we're thinking, you know, how can we be a testimony? How can we share how important God is in our lives? The quality of your work is a big part of that. What is excellence? Well, excellence is doing the best you can with what you have to glorify God. The best you can. So it's going to look different. 
depending on the season of life you're in, depending on the opportunities you have, depending on the resources, all those things impact that. A great example of excellence is demonstrated in the Old Testament with uh, this young man. His name is Daniel. Daniel, spirit of excellence. It says, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Just these were uh, government officials back then. Because of his excellent spirit was on him. And the king gave him uh, uh, thought to setting him over the whole realm. So here he is. In a foreign country. He didn't raise up in this country. This is the country they're talking about is Babylon. It was a foreign country. He was Hebrew. They were captured. He was a POW. They spoke a different language. They, they, they looked different. And so they were, so Daniel and his people were brought into Babylon. They had to learn that new language. They had an accent. They looked a little different. Their their culture was different. And yet he rose to the top because he distinguished himself with his excellent spirit. As a young man, he he, he he committed himself to excellence. It was part of his character. And because of that, He goes to the top, and even though he has all these things against him, other people, other politicians, other people who are vying for the position, because he ends up in second in command, and they get threatened by him. And so so it says, The other governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. This is a great explanation of what really excellence is about it's about integrity that's really what it is faithfulness is a characteristic of integrity and so it's really more about who you are than what you do that's why it's so hard to instill this value of excellence in somebody it could be a corporate value it could be the value of your business or your church but if you have somebody who doesn't have that as a as a value within them, it's real hard to change that because you're talking about integrity. You're talking about integrity. Comes of comes out of who you are. Excellence is not an act, but a habit, Aristotle said. So it's true for Daniel. And it becomes true for us as we step into this and say, I want to be a person of integrity, of faithfulness. That starts to be fleshed out in excellence. So let's look at what we can do to become more excellent, more like God in that way. Well, first, what excellence is not, because that can get confusing. Sometimes people think excellence is perfectionism, but those are different things. The person who walks into a home, you go, oh, yeah, that picture's not right. Oh, yeah, that one's not right either. That, that person just irritates people, okay? <laughs> that's not excellence at all. So that's not what we're talking about, because the perfectionist person is never satisfied. And there is no perfection this side of heaven. Have you ever thought of the have you ever thought about it that Jesus, we know the Bible says that he was without sin. And because he was without sin, he lived a perfect life in that sense so that he paid for our sins. But have you ever thought that it doesn't mean he was perfect in everything? Have you ever thought of that? He was just without sin, the Bible says. He was also a carpenter. 
And he was like us in all ways, which means he had to learn how to be a carpenter. And how do you learn a trade? By making a lot of mistakes, right? But mistakes are not sin. For, for a perfectionist, they are. Well, that's, that's ugly as sin, right? You, so Jesus, and all, I mean, we can only conclude that he made a lot of mistakes and probably made, gave, gave Joseph the opportunity to grow in patience, right? Oh, yeah. You got a long way to go there, Jesus. I think you have another vocation coming up that's different than this one, and that's probably good for everybody, you know. See, we learn by mistakes, but mistakes are, are, are not, they're not sin. It's okay to have mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not growing in this area of excellence. But perfectionists, let's be honest, they're rarely happy people, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're hard on themselves, they're impatient with themselves, and they're hard and impatient on others. It's also not the performance treadmill where you're always comparing yourselves to somebody's other's business, somebody other's, somebody's family, somebody's ministry. Nobody ever measures up. Nobody's ever good enough. And then it's also not just a product for the well-resourced. Sometimes that's what we think excellence is all about. Yeah, Disneyland, they got all the money. That's why. Yeah, Facebook and and uh, Google, and I mean, they can do that. Apple, I mean, look at all the money they have. And so we're, we get obsessed with people that have lots of resources, thinking that's the only people that can really achieve that level of, 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 uh, of expertise and talent, because they have so much talent, so much, you know, they can hire the best people. But we talked about excellence as being the best you can with what you have for the glory of God. So you just do the best you can with what you have. When our church, when we first started our church, excellence, or the spirit of excellence was, was something we, we believed in and, and pursued. But it looked totally different. I mean, when we were meeting in the Cinema Cafe, now, granted, if you've gone to the Cinema Cafe anytime recently, they've renovated it, it looks great. That was not our experience. Because we rented, we rented for three years in the Cinema Cafe, and we'd show up on Sunday morning early because we had to totally transform that place. And, uh, and I don't think they really cleaned it because they knew we were coming. You know, not to like, like, like sabotage us. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they knew we cleaned so well. They thought, well, let the vineyard take care of it. They do a great job because when we showed up, I mean, it looked like it had not been cleaned. We, we would bring shovels, flat shovels. Because there was chicken bones everywhere. We're like shoveling up chicken bones. One of the rooms we'd like transform. We, they only had, it was the one at Independence. They only had three, three uh, theaters. They still only have three theaters there. And so we'd take one of the theaters and make it for the kids. And kids that were, you know, little kids that were on the ground. And when they would get up, their clothes would be ruined. I mean, just grease stains that would not come out. We'd hand them back. It was expensive to attend our church if you were a parent. You needed a brand new clothes every time. But we would do our best. I mean, we didn't steam clean, but we would like take, you know, we, we would, 
you know, clean everything up as much as we could, bring our own rug, you know, to throw out and try to get the kids to lay on that part of the rug only. And, and you know, franchises. One of the things that, that transforms a small business into more of a franchise is their commitment to best practices, their commitment to excellence. You go to, you know, uh, Outback, whenever we go, Sharon and I, a manager always comes by and says, how is your food? Was there anything we could do to make it better? A smaller business, they're probably not doing that. They really don't want to hear what you have to say. You know, maybe you'll come back, maybe you won't. We don't, you know, just, no, 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 don't tell us. We've got so many problems, I can't take another problem. Mission Barbecue, same thing. I'm not trying to do a shout out to those businesses. I'm just saying quality Business franchises are known, Starbucks, for wanting feedback. I want to know, what, what, how can we do better? Because they're pursuing excellence. So how can we excel at what we're doing? Well, let's look at that. One is, is work with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a hallmark of somebody who is pursuing excellence. There's a passion with it. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. I love that because enthusiasm, actually, that Greek, it's, it's from a Greek word, enthusiasm, which means God within. And ultimately, to be able to serve, especially in a job that, that you normally wouldn't be passionate about, where maybe you have a tough boss or maybe you have a dysfunctional ethos all the things that go on in the workplace and for you to show up day after day with enthusiasm i think it is a god thing god's doing something inside you here's the way emerson put it he said nothing great was ever done without enthusiasm small thing big thing whether at home whether it's in a relationship you have you know they say in acting that there's no small parts there's only small actors. And I think that's true. I mean, how many times have we seen a movie where, like, the person with a small little part steals the show? Because they bring everything into it. Have you ever met somebody or worked with somebody or been on a team with somebody and they show up with no enthusiasm? They just deflate everybody, right? You know, they're frustrating to work with. They're pulling everybody else down. They're on the sports team, and you're like, we're going to, you know, we're trying to win, not lose. Losing's the easy part. We want to learn. We want to, and coming together as a team and, and expressing enthusiasm is a big part of that. In fact, the Bible says that it's actually lazy to not be enthusiastic. It says, one who is slack in his work is a brother to the one who destroys. You see, we're actually sabotaging our boss's business when we don't have enthusiasm. We're wasting time. We're wasting their money. We're demoralizing the team. And so it has this multiplying effect. It's not just us. I mean, we sometimes give ourselves a buy. Well, I suck today because of such and such, you know. It's okay if I'm lazy today, the kind of week I've had. But we're, 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 we're bringing that into the workplace, into the into the home, into the, the team that we're serving on or being part of, the ministry team, the small group, whatever it is. And when we lack 
enthusiasm, we pulled everything down. So we want to inject purpose and meaning into what we do. And it has significance because we're doing it for the Lord. And so if you lack enthusiasm, you ask God, God, I need help. Number two, constantly sharpen your skills. See, when a leader gets better, everybody gets better. And if you're a leader, and there's all kinds of ways that we lead. But a commitment to always continue to grow, to become more effective, more efficient in what we're doing. We're developing ourselves. We're improving ourselves. The Bible says, do you see a man or a woman, right, who is skilled in their work? They serve before kings. It says the cream rises to the top. Skilled people end up going going further now i you know it's there's a lot of people with dreams and i'm excited i'm glad for that actually oh yeah i've got all these incredible dreams my friend you have got to match every dream with mad skills and that takes a lot of hard work so it's cool that you have a dream because you know what without a dream that's that's no good i want you to have dreams but they've got to be matched up with mad skills incredible skills hard work that gets you to that place do yourself a favor and learn all you can then remember what you learned and you will prosper so whether you're a parent and you're trying to be a better parent or you're at a job or at a school you sharpen your skills musicians vocalists they need to sharpen their skills they need to take lessons they need to work on their scales. You know, that's kind of boring. If you're, if you're not a musician, you might not realize that. But there's a number of things that you do in order to become good at singing or playing, you know, music, an instrument like we have, that are, that it's not that fun. You know, just working on your paradiddle. If you're a drummer, working on your scales, working on your arpeggios, if you're a keyboardist. I mean, it's just routine. But you're, you're working on that, you're grilling on that because you're sharpening your skills because you want to be the very best that you can be. And as I said just a moment ago, feedback is super important. The people that are pursuing excellence are interested in feedback. Feedback is something we've tried to instill in our church. Frequent feedback creates a culture of, of expected feedback. In other words, if, if, you're, if you never give feedback and then all of a sudden somebody like, you know doesn't do a good job all of a sudden that's when we realize well maybe feedback has value you know gotta say something we can't let that happen again and you go up out of the blue nobody's ever given them feedback giving you feedback all of all of a sudden it feels awkward for everybody in the room right the person giving it the person receiving it's just like wow what's your problem man you know what's your problem and then if you're in the church sometimes don't you know i serve for free you should be thanking your lucky stars I even showed up here. You know how many other things I could do on a Sunday morning? But people who value excellence, see, they, they, they embrace feedback. Number three, keep your word. Being dependable, reliable, somebody you can count on. You're responsible, you're trustworthy. That's rare People that you can count on. The Bible says everyone talks a good game, right? Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful they are. But just try to find somebody who really is. You say, I thought that was a problem of today. 
This was written a long time ago in a different culture, a land far, far away. A couple of years ago, Sharon and I went to um, Yellowstone. It's all Old Faithful. You know, Old Faithful is pretty cool, but it's not the best geyser. It's not the most beautiful. It doesn't go up the highest. Why is it so famous, though? It's like the most famous geyser of all. It's faithful. I mean, it's amazing. I would like, it's not to the second, but it's pretty close. I'd be watching. You can almost get, okay, it's coming. Okay, there it is. Reliability beats talent every time. You go, well, I'm not as talented as so-and-so. Well, then you be reliable and watch what happens. Because the greatest ability is dependability. When people can count on you, you'll go light years ahead of talent when you're dependable. In fact, the Bible says depending on an unreliable person in a crisis is like trying to chew with a loose tooth. Have you ever done that? (laughs) Dentist is booked. You can't get in. Or walk with a crippled foot. That's one of the reasons we do our growth track. One, one of the, now, certainly we're pairing up with each one of you. We want you to be serving in your tan what your gift mix is. But there's a functional part that we want to know who can be counted on. That's why we've changed the name a few years back from membership to partner. In other words, we want to partner with you. We're in this together. We want to advance the kingdom of God. But listen, if you're not faithful, you're you're making it difficult for your business, your company to move forward. They can't be as effective as they would like to be. I was reading a book a while, uh, just a few months back, and it, it, was, it was interesting, this book, because it was written 100 years ago. And he was talking about, he going, yeah, this younger generation, you know, they don't have the value of work, and they're not as reliable as the older generation. Now, that sounds like something you'd hear today. It was 100 years ago. I was thinking, you know what? So, it's the same old stuff, right? It's the same. But there is a, true, a, truth, a truism there. We want people that can be counted on, people that are responsible. The Bible says, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. He's talking about integrity. Integrity. The world is fascinated with image. But God says it's all about integrity. And really, true success, you need to build with, you, you build a life of integrity. So if you want to excel, you work with enthusiasm, you sharpen your skills, you keep your word. Those are important. It's like the teenager who is going through LinkedIn and he sees this ad for a young man who's responsible. So he goes, I'm your man. He calls up, I'm your man. He goes, how do you know? He goes, everywhere I work, they, when something goes wrong, they say, you're responsible. <laughs> so responsible in the good way, of course. Number four, maintain a positive attitude. Now, when things are going good, it's pretty easy to do that. But when things are difficult, when the pressure is on, when the heat is up, in the midst of tremendous change, and maybe and some of us like change even less than others. Nobody likes change, unless you're the person in charge of the change. Then that's, they're the, always the ones that are happy about it. Let's change things, you know. Uh, I'm guessing you're behind the change then, right? Yep. Isn't it a great idea? No. 
But regardless of whether you're a teacher or a spouse, parent, grandparent, whatever it is, you maintain the positive attitude when, when you're on the receiving end of something that's a little more challenging. And you, uh, you just approach problems and people with faith, with optimism. When, see, the tendency is, is when things get difficult, we're not, and then we missed, you know, the, a meal or whatever's kind of our little, you know, our, our coffee or the workout that we normally have, and then we end up getting negative or cranky. Sometimes people, when they are under pressure, they start spreading gossip and rumors and talking negatively, start complaining. You know, we, we uh, showed that tribute with Pat Robinson uh, at the beginning of the, uh, right before I spoke. One of my favorite stories with Pat is, I don't know if you've heard this one, but when they were first starting their TV show back in Portsmouth, and it wasn't going well. He had already, they had been there like over a year, and nothing was happening. And some people started, some of his employees started complaining. And so he reads in the, in the Bible that the people of Israel, when the Israelites, they, when they complained, he let them stay in the desert. And they end up staying in the desert for 40 years. Many of them never, most of them never even get into the promised land because of complaining. So he reads that, he gets up, he has an emergency staff meeting, says, listen, if you want things to change, the complaining's got no complaining. If, if anything else, that's the last thing we want to do, or we could end up being here for 40 years. Then you'll have something to complain about. And they all made a commitment, no complaining. And right after that, things started changing. So a commitment, hey, no complaining. I don't want to be part of the problem. Do all things without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless, shining like lights in a dark world, in a world where all there is is negativity. People are complaining everywhere. You go get some gas, you hear them, oh, no, gas is up again. And you know, go to the grocery line, the food and inflation. And I mean, yeah, those things are true. But if you want to stand out shining like a light in a dark world, you make a commitment, a personal commitment to not complain. And that will make you a standout. You'll be different when you choose to be positive. How can you stay positive when there's so much negativity? Well, it really has a lot to do with what you think. What you think about, look at what the Bible says here in Philippians. It says, whatever, these are the things you should be thinking about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what we ponder on. That's what we meditate on. That's why we read the Bible in the morning. There is a direct connection between whether you get up in the morning and you get your mindset around what God has to say and how your day goes and how much complaining you do. And when you skip it, I don't have time today, well, you're going to find plenty of time to grumble and complain and argue and all that stuff. People of excellence choose, I'm not going to, I'm going to have a positive attitude and then do whatever it takes to get it right. You kind of make that commitment. Hey, I'm going to, Step up my game, whatever I need to do. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. It says, do your best. Do your best. Work from the heart. 
The person who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a Christian doesn't cover up bad work. I'm gonna, it doesn't really matter. And God forgives me anyways. Well, the Bible says being a Christian doesn't, that's not a good excuse. Don't hide behind that. God understands why I'm slacking off today. No, he actually doesn't. He wants you to get your butt in gear. So you don't make excuses. You say, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make this happen. Next verse here. If anybody forces you, Jesus is talking about the Roman legions that could conscript you, and they weren't liked at all. They were hated by most of the Israelites. And they could conscript you to go a whole mile with their heavy gear. They were going across the continent. They had gear that would weigh anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds, shields, swords, supplies. And they could just take a young boy or an old man or whoever and say, you have to carry this one mile, and you had to do it. And so Jesus says, if anybody forces you to go a mile with them, do more. They weren't even liked. And now they just forced you at will to just walk their gear for a whole mile and then you have to walk back. And he says, no, actually, then blow their minds and go to surprise them, freak them out. Like, whoa, you're going to go because they already know they're despised. And they just asked you to do something you didn't want to do. You're tired after a whole mile. And he goes, go another. This is the second mile principle. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. Go the second mile, that's where it comes from. Jesus is talking about it. See, we live in a society where it's do the minimums. Just get your paycheck, cash it, hit the road, stick it to the big man. Who cares about them, them rich pigs or whatever? I mean, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus says, no, don't take that attitude. That's the world's attitude, for sure. As a Christ follower... You say, I'm going to be committed to giving my very best because it's about me and not them anyways. I want to be committed to them. I, I was a supervisor at Costco a number of years ago, and uh, a book on New Age had just come out, and it was hot. And, so the, and I was over the, um, the, one of the things I was over was the books. They said, okay, Andy, we want this to sell. Put this in the best place you think it's going to. Now, listen, I personally think that the book should be thrown in the trash. But I'm not working for me. My paycheck said Costco on it. So I, I, I'm not going to sit there and complain and argue. And why are we doing this anyways? And don't you know that's full of... You know, no. You work. You, you give your very best. Now, I didn't have to. I could have quit. But if I choose to work, I need to go and give my very best to that job. I show up and I say, hey, this is something I want to give my very best. So I do. Now, when it comes to excellence, it's not just how we serve and, and give our very best at a place of where we work, or even at home, it's also at church. It's also at church, and, and giving our best to what God is doing in the local church is, is one of the ways that we glorify God. In fact, in Malachi, in the Old Testament, God was had had made it in the levitical law that the priests were to bring their very in fact everybody but particularly the priests were to bring their very best sheep they would go out because it was an agrarian society and so they had sheep and goats and they were to go out and find the very best sheep that's what the what the law had said in in in, in leviticus 
and you come and you make that as your offering to God. Your very best. But were they doing that? No. They were going and finding the one that wouldn't make any money at the market. They'd look and, well, that one's all scraggly looking. And, and then they would find the worst one, you know, like the one that had like one leg wasn't working and, and it was all mangy. And like, it was like, will it even make it to, you know, I mean, it, it's leaning on the fence, like <laughs> one eye half hanging out. That's the one they were grabbing. And they were saying, and you know what they were saying? It's only for God, so it doesn't matter. It's only for God. Here's what it says here in Malachi, just kind of zooming in on that one passage. When you say the altar of God is not important, worship of God is no longer a priority, that's defiling. When you offer worthless animals, and that's what we were just talking about, for sacrifices and worship, animals that you're trying to get rid of, that are blind, that are sick, that are crippled, those are the ones, not the best, the worst. Isn't that defiling also? Try that with your banker or your senator and see how far that will get you. See, you wouldn't do that to your boss or to people, to, to people that are, you know, you're trying to impress. Why would you do that to God? And so God speaks. So in our church, years ago, when we first started this church, we read this passage together as a congregation and said, let's give God our very best. I know we're tired sometimes. I know it's the weekend. I know there's, I know it's a, you know, we don't get paid. But no blemished lambs because God is worthy of our very, very best. God speaking said this in that next passage. He says, there are people who know how to worship me all over the world who honor me by bringing me their best. And so when it comes to serving in the local church, for us, when we talk about pursuing excellence, we're talking about we want to give God our best and make it fit for a king. Because he is our king. And he is worth it. God is worth your very best. And something happens when we do that. Something resonates in our soul. Because there's a consistency. It's right. God gave his very best for us. He sent Jesus Christ to live among us, to die for us, to rise from the dead. He put the spirit of Christ in us. So it, there's a spirit of excellence, just like what was in Daniel. There's a, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, you have a spirit of excellence. And it feels right when you give God your very best. It just feels congruent. It feeds your soul. There's something that just resonates. Yes. This, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I know that when we read your word, it certainly is different than what we experience in here in the world. Different values, a different drumbeat that we march to. And so... Help me, would you say this, God, help me to realign my life so that I have the cadence of what's important to you. For most of us, we can see areas where we say, well, that's, I'm slipping a little bit there. That's okay. Just, all you do is just, God, help me to get back in alignment. 
I want to serve you. I want to, I want to live this life with excellence. With all my heart and soul. Would you say, God, help me with enthusiasm? Particularly if you're thinking of an area that is the most challenging. It might be at work. It might be at home. It might be at school. Wherever, whatever your, your life place is. Help me to have enthusiasm. Would you say, God, help me to do the things I do for you and not for people. Because so often they won't even recognize it. They won't value it like I think it should be valued. But you will. And when I do it for you, and I get a paycheck or I get some kind of recognition, I get a double reward. We say, God, help me to sharpen my skills. Give me a dream, and then give me skills that match the dream. A commitment to work and to get better. No matter how old you are. You say, God, help me to not waste time. Help me to not waste other people's time. Help me to be reliable. To be dependable. Be somebody who can be counted on. You say, God, help me to maintain a positive attitude. Some of you are in toxic environments. It's everywhere. You can be a shining light in a dark world. You can do it. You go to God. Make sure and fill up on His greatest resource to you, the Holy Spirit speaking to you through His Word to counteract all of the negativity around you. Would you say, God, help me to go the extra mile to do more than is expected Would you say, God, when it comes to your church, I want to do everything I do that's fit for a king. No blemished lambs. I want to give you my best. Now, some of you are here this morning and God is calling you into his family. Maybe you feel far from God. And so I want to invite you to pray with me, to say, I want to, God gave me his best. I certainly want to give him my best, and it begins with my life. Some of you are ready to make that prayer, just right where you're at. This isn't about joining our church. This is about you getting right with God, you saying, God, I want to give you my life. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer right where you're at, right where you're sitting. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're saying, Andy, I want to pray with you. I want to make that prayer that says, yes, I'm ready to give you my life, God. Then just let me know. If that's you, then boldly, right where you're at, just put your hand up just so that you say, Andy, I'm praying with you. I'm going to pray with you right now. Okay, bless you. Yep, I see you in the back. Anybody else say, this is my moment. This is my Sunday. I'll give you a second or two more. You can do it. Say, I want to pray with you. Okay, I see you. Yep, I see you over there. Okay, put your hand down. In faith, would you say, God, today I give my life afresh to you. 
thank you for giving me your very best, your son, Jesus Christ. Today, I want to put my faith in Christ. Would you say that to God? Just whisper right where you're at. Or you can think it. However, you just pray to God. Say, God, I want to give you my best. I give you my heart. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. Begin to make all things new. Help me to pursue a life of excellence for your sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you congratulate those people who prayed with me? I'm certainly thankful for that. I'd love to hear from you. In just a moment, we're going to have... Actually, those of you who are serving in our 11 o'clock service, if you're on the Dream Team, you can get up now and and, and make your way to your huddle so you can start preparing to serve those who are going to be coming at 11. Thank you so much for serving and and being there for people that you don't even know. You're just there to serve and give give away your life. Uh, For those of you who ask Christ into your life, maybe you have a special prayer request, I would love to hear about it. Uh, We've given you a couple ways that you can do that. One is digitally you can do that on the QR code. Uh, just take a, put that your phone up there. It'll take you to some options where you can say you uh, uh, any questions you might have. Let me know if you prayed with me. You can also do it on the paper copy that we provided uh, on the seat back in front of you, where you can just write there any uh, again prayer requests. Let me know about a decision, faith decision you might have made. Put it in the box on the way out. We also, as you leave, you'll see growth track uh, is going on. Step two, right after the service. We'd love to have you in there. We'll feed you, watch your kids, and we're going to help you as you pursue your very best for God, and we want to partner with you in that. It's only an hour long. We'd love to have you be part of that, okay? Would you stand with me? We're going to go ahead and close out with one final song. I want to go ahead and pray before we do that. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you gave us your best. You were clear about what that means for us to pursue excellence. Help us, Lord, to make that commitment, to double down, not in our own strength. We don't want to be perfectionists. We want to be people that are doing our best to inspire others for the glory of God. Father, I pray, Lord, more of you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.